This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA Art Wiederman. Welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. I'm your host. My name is Art Wiederman and... I'm a director, a dental division director. Try saying that fast three times, everyone. Dental division director. Or as they call me, DDD, which is different than PPP, which we're going to be talking about tonight. I just thought of that. DDD. I'm a dental division director for the CPA firm of Ide Bailey. Very proud to be part of Ide Bailey. We've been part of Ide Bailey for about nine months now, almost 10 months actually. And uh, it's going really, really well, and I've got great resources and great team members. And tonight, uh, we are, again, date-stamping these podcasts, folks. It just never ends. I always use the analogy of imagine if your state dental board came to you with an email every single week and said, okay, doctor, this is how you, uh, this is how you do a crown prep. And we're going to change it this week uh, with the new law that just came down. And then we're going to change it next week and we're going to change it the week after and so on and so on and so on. Well, that's been our CPA, uh, <laughs> our CPA's lives here in the last 12 months. I mean, not only are we uh, supposed to know the tax laws and how to do accounting and help you with your personal financial and business financial issues, but we now have an entire new, new business Kind of like when cost segregation came into the the world. It was a whole new cottage industry. Well, we have a whole new cottage industry with PPP and uh, the Employee Retention Tax Credit, which we're going to talk a lot about tonight. So tonight's podcast, we are recording on Sunday, March 14th, which is Pi Day. And somebody told me earlier today that it was Pi Day. And I said, wow, uh, I said, I like apple, I like cherry, I like <laughs> boysenberry. And they said, no, 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 it's pi because 314, 3.14 is pi. I'm a CPA, I should know that. And uh, so today is pie day. It has nothing to do with apple pie, which was very disappointing to me because I love apple pie. So today is pie day. We're going to be recording tonight uh, here in Southern California. And uh, this will be uh, this will go up on the internet on Wednesday, the seventeenth 
uh, this coming Wednesday because we're trying to keep it current. I wanted to record this last week. We just didn't have enough time to get through all of the data and all the detail and the 103 pages of the notice that we've been waiting for for a long, long time. Well, we got that. And now I'm ready to tell you how this all works. And what is all this that I'm talking about? This is the interaction between the Paycheck Protection Program and the Employee Retention Tax Credit. So we'll get to that. Might be a little longer podcast than usual, folks, because I uh, uh, I did a webinar on this to about 300 dentists on Wednesday night. And if you want to, by the way, listen to that, uh, you can go to www.idebailey.com and go to insights and you will find uh you'll i'm sorry not insights go to go to our youtube page and you'll find it all over our youtube page all of the webinars that we're doing and the one that we recorded uh last wednesday night but before we get to all that just a couple of things i want to share with you um i want to tell you again about our wonderful wonderful partners decisions and dentistry magazine uh they have just uh they've grown uh i was talking to Lorraine Kent, their publisher, and they've just grown by leaps and bounds and uh, just providing some fantastic, fantastic information. They've been on top of all the issues on COVID that uh, dentists have had to deal with. A clinical, it's a clinical magazine. Uh, my podcast is uh, the only business uh, representation pretty much they have in the magazine, and I'm very, very proud that they chose me to be partners. I, I love the folks at uh, Decisions in Dentistry. If you're not a subscriber, uh, you should be www.decisionsindentistry.com. Uh, if you are not working with a dental CPA, we at Ide Bailey are a member. Uh, I was a founding member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, 24 CPA firms across the United States that represent about nine, 10,000. I keep saying nine. We're up to 10,000 dentists and growing uh, every week. And um, uh, I've mentioned this before, my good friend, uh, BJ Coucher from uh, South Carolina, who is one of our members and a dear, dear friend, BJ uh, coined the term that we are the financial first responders. And that is what we are, folks. Uh, We've been there uh, all through this pandemic, which uh, tomorrow will be one year, one year, folks, that since uh, dental offices and pretty much our whole country shut down because of the pandemic and uh, you know it, it's it's been a tough year for everyone but we are on hopefully on the the down down leg of this the vaccines are out and we're all you know knock wood hopefully going to be uh, able to resume our lives uh, you know sooner rather than later we're all praying and hoping for that so speaking of the academy of dental cpas if you're not working with a dental cpa you absolutely should be. My firm, Ide Bailey, um, we are the Southern California member. Uh, my email address is a Wiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at idebailey.com. Uh, the ADCPA's website is www.adcpa.org. Click on the members, uh, uh, click on the members uh, list link, and you'll find a member in your area. And everybody is working on what we're going to be talking about tonight, which is the interaction of the Paycheck Protection Program and the Employee Retention Tax Credit and how you can basically get tens of thousands of dollars. And I'm going to tell you how to do it here tonight. First, I do have some sad news, unfortunately, to share with you. Many of you know this. Um, it's It's not been a 
We've lost members of our Academy of Dental CPAs. This is my family. Um, I love every single person that is a part of this group. Uh, all of us have formed this in 2001. This is our 20th anniversary of being a group, and it's just been amazing. We've worked together with the uh, with the ADA, with Michael Graham and Megan Mortimer. I've had the honor of interviewing both the president and the executive director of the ADA on this podcast. Well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we lost another one of our dear members, uh, Larry Rosen, um, who formed uh, the CPA firm that is our member firm in Boston, uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Larry was one of the first people that I met uh, in the ADCPA. And Larry was the kind of person that every single time I saw him at a meeting, he would come up, he would give me a bear hug. And the first thing he would say is, how's your wife? How are your boys? First thing, every single time. Larry cared more about people than, than you will know. Um, they had a virtual um, Shiva ceremony in the Jewish religion. You sit Shiva, and of course, we cannot sit Shiva during a pandemic. So it was a virtual ceremony with uh, the rabbi from Larry's temple uh, in Boston. Uh, beautiful ceremony, almost 600 people, 600 people. That's how much this man was loved. Uh, his son, Mark, now runs the firm. Uh, I've known Mark for years. Uh, I remember when Larry was, uh, Larry and I had first met, he was first telling me about how my son is starting to work for our CPA firm, and I'm real proud of him. And uh, I, I'm hoping that he's going to be able to you know, continue my legacy down the road and I spoke with Mark earlier today and uh, spoke to Mark and then his mom was in the car. And I will tell you that uh, the Rosens are just the best people. I mean, the, the best people on the planet. And, and I'll tell you how amazing Larry was in the firm that he ran. So before I merged with uh, I Bailey, our firm, HMWC, every year we would have a partner retreat. And in this partner retreat, we had a facilitator, someone who was an accounting firm consultant. Like in your dental practice, you'd hire a consultant. Well, in uh, you know, in the accounting world, we <laughs> we need consultants too. We need help. We we want to run our businesses efficiently and effectively. So this consultant was talking about five firms that were up and coming firms in the United States that were comparable to the firm that we had. And we had a really, really great firm, really good firm. And um, one of the firms on the on the PowerPoint said Rosen. So I raised my hand. I said, I said, the facilitator, I said, Rosen, is that is that Rosen like Larry Rosen? He says, You know Larry Rosen? And I said, Yeah. I said, Larry's a friend of mine. He's part of our dental CPA group. He says, Oh my God. And then we had a we had uh went out and had a drink afterwards with the facilitator. And he told me stories about Larry and we were just laughing. And then I get the, I get the email that uh, Larry had passed away a couple of weeks ago and I was in tears and I, I wrote Mark, uh, uh, you know, his son, a long email about my dad and, and, you know, how my dad had been my inspiration. And Mark got up and talked about his dad on the, um, you know, at the, at the uh, on the virtual Shiva ceremony and gave a wonderful, wonderful talk. And so I, I just want to make sure, you know, if you didn't know, if you knew Larry, 
uh, and you didn't know this news, uh, please reach out to the Rosen firm and let them know your condolences and everything. And uh, if you didn't know him, he was a wonderful human being. He's the fourth person that we've lost in the ADCPA in the last year or so, and and it just breaks my heart. But I, I do want to remember Larry. He made a huge contribution. Uh, his clients loved him. He was the business advisor. I mean, listening to the things they said about him was pretty amazing. So, Larry, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss your sense of humor, your smile, your caring, uh, as we are all. So I, I just wanted to make mention of um, of the passing of, of Larry Rosen in Boston. And if you ever... If you get a chance to, you know, shoot an email out to Mark and just uh, give him a, you know, a hi, how you doing? Uh, it's uh, it, it's hard because they were pretty tight. So, uh, with that said, let's move on to our topic tonight. Be sure to check out our new Ide Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. Our topic is how can we use the Paycheck Protection Program in conjunction with the Employee Retention Tax Credit? So let's start with a little bit of history here, folks. Okay, first of all, um, on March 27th, back in 2020, we had the CARES Act became law, created the Paycheck Protection Program, and this thing that nobody had really paid any attention to called the Employee Retention Tax Credit, the ERTC. So for Paycheck Protection Program, I'm going to use PPP, and for Employee Retention Tax Credit, I'm going to use ERTC, or we'll be here all night. So they allocated $349 billion to the PPP program, rolled out in early April of 2020, and that money was gone in two weeks. And they wanted you to spend that money over eight weeks' time on payroll, not let people go on unemployment. We all know the story. In late April of 2020, Congress gave us round two of the PPP, another $310 billion, and about $120 billion of that just didn't get borrowed because a lot of people just didn't like the program rules. And it was very complicated. I mean, I was doing, I must have done 30, 40 webinars on this thing. Every week, there was new rules. Now, the employee retention tax credit, which, which we're going to get deep into in a little bit, um, it was available, it was a tax credit for, you know, employees, employers who met certain rules. Uh, but it had you taken a PPP loan, you were not eligible to claim the employee retention tax credit. So the PPP was a much better financial deal than the ERTC. So virtually none of my clients claimed it. And, you know, originally they wanted you to use it over eight weeks. Then in March and then in June, uh, they expanded that to uh, 24 weeks uh, because that made sense, folks. Uh, you know, the <laughs> Congress had this eight weeks because they thought that this pandemic was going to be over in eight weeks. That's what they thought. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't over in eight weeks. We know it wasn't over in eight weeks. So basically, um, they expanded it to 24 weeks. So you had 24 weeks to spend the money uh, and you had to spend at least 60% of it on payroll. So I'm not going to get deep into the rules. We've talked about these rules uh, on this podcast before. So where are we now? Okay, where are we now? 
Number one, it's time to start thinking about filing for forgiveness of your PPP loan. Now, if you are not going to be eligible for the employee retention tax credit, we're going to talk about that you know, here shortly in great detail. If you're not eligible for that tax credit, uh, what you need to do is there's no reason for you to wait to file for forgiveness. So I'm going to walk you through three simple steps that you need to put on your calendar. Your CPA is not going to call you and say, hey, you need to file for forgiveness. They're not going to, not very many CPAs are going to put that on their calendar. You have to put this on your calendar. So what I want you to do is step one and do this Monday morning. Go to your practice bank statement and take a look at what date you received your PPP one loan. That would have been somewhere, my guess would be between April 15th and May 30th of 2020. Okay, take that date. Now it's the date that it hits your bank account. So look at your bank statement. That's very important. The date it was deposited is the beginning of what's called your covered period. Then what you do is you add 24 weeks to that date and that's the end of your covered period. And then you get to add 10 up to 10 months after that. And by that date, you need to file for forgiveness. So let's go through an example. Dr. Wiederman got his PPP loan deposited into his business bank account on May 7th of 2020. His 24-week period ended on October 22nd of 2020. And then he has 10 months to file for SBA forgiveness, which means you have, Dr. Wiederman has until August 22nd of 2021 to get the forgiveness forms. And now, would I wait if I were Dr. Wiederman until August 22nd to send it through the computer? Because you're going to basically file this through your bank's portal for forgiveness. No, I wouldn't. I would do this sooner. But for most of you, If you got your loan, say, on April 15th, the program, I think, started on the 4th or the 5th when they started making the loan. So, you know, that would bring you back to somewhere around the 1st of August. So most of you have until probably end of July till maybe sometime in September that you have to file. So we've got time. Now, I'm going to say this several times in this podcast if you decide to turn it off. If you are going to be eligible for the employee retention tax credit, we would strongly urge you to consider not filing for forgiveness until you have somebody do all of these calculations, which we're going to talk about, to see if we can get this. And I'm going to explain why as we go along here. So we have the PPP. We have the PPP-2, and before I move on to the stimulus bill, there's stuff going on with the PPP-2, okay? Um, We're going to talk about that, but you have until March 31st to apply for the PPP-2 loan because that came out as part of the stimulus package. Well, what happened was is on December 27th, 2020, the president signed a $900 billion stimulus package, which created round two. It's like a fight. You know, this is, this has been like a heavyweight fight. Round one. Now we're in round two. $284.5 billion for round two of the Paycheck Protection Program as part of the $900 billion stimulus, 
which permitted $600 stimulus payments. And now we're going to have $1,400 stimulus payments. I mean, they just keep printing money, but that's what they're doing. What it did was it created round two of the PPP. Big, big deal here. It allowed dentists and other business, small business owners to take a federal income tax deduction for PPP covered expenses that they paid in 2020 with round money. And they will also allow you to deduct the expenses you pay in 2021 with round two money. So think about this this way, folks. You got the money. You're going to get it forgiven. So it's going to be, you got a $100,000 PPP loan. It's forgiven. You have no tax liability on that. So you would think it's kind of not fair if you don't have to pay tax on the money that you don't get to deduct it. Well, you get to deduct it. So it's a windfall for all of you guys. And that's wonderful. Um, You know, it's not great for the federal treasury, but it's wonderful for our dentists. So you get a tax deduction um, in uh, for these expenses in 2020. So it's a big deal. Now, uh, I'm going to take a step here and just say that you all need to take a look at these deductibility rules because right now you're in the process of filing tax returns. You're, if you're a corporation, an S corporation or a partnership or an LLC, uh, not a single member, but an LLC that files a form 1065, you are going to have to file your tax return by tomorrow or two days ago when you, if you listen to this when it comes out on Wednesday. And that's why we're suggesting an extension. Hopefully many of you have done that because a lot of the states have not conformed to this. For example, California, uh, my state, uh, where we have a lot of listeners to this podcast. California uh, had come out with a, a, a law called AB80, which is AB stands for Assembly Bill 80. And we thought this was going to pass to allow small business owners to deduct up to $150,000 of PPP expenses. Well, that just is kind of faded at the moment. It's not been passed. It's not been signed. We don't know what's going on. My conjecture, that's my opinion, is that the states are waiting to see how much money they get from this $1.9 trillion stimulus bill that the president, President Biden signed uh, last week. And maybe if they get a bunch of money, maybe they're, you know, they'll be better off and maybe they'll allow for this deductibility because the states are hurting really badly too. Again, one of many, many reasons to consider filing an extension on your tax return. And here we go. This is what you've all been waiting for and what you want to hear about. The new law allowed dentists and other small business owners who took out PPP loans in 2020 as well as in 2021 to be able to retroactively, back to March 12th of 2020, use the employee retention tax credit. So really quickly, and then we're going to get into the ERTC, qualify for PPP round two. And and by the way, I want to take a stop here. Well, no, I'll get to this in a second. Here we go. So you had to have re- re- applied for and received a PPP round one loan. If you're a first time PPP loan applicant, there's a separate application you can file and you're not out of luck. You must have used the funds from round one to apply for round two in full. And for the purposes required under the CARES Act, I mean, no Rolex watches, no Rolls Royces, no baseball tickets or anything like that. 
you had to use it for payroll and rent and utilities and all the other things in the law. You had to have you have to have less than three hundred or uh, three hundred employees, and this is if you own a if we have any DSO uh, owners uh, uh, listening to this podcast, and you have dozens and dozens of dental offices, they're going to have these affiliated service and aggregation rules, uh, which we're not going to get into here. But uh, if you are a DSO, there are huge six and seven figure opportunities. You should probably give send me an email and, and, and we can talk about that or uh, be happy to help you. Your dental practice must have experienced, and this is the big one, a 25% reduction in gross receipts for any calendar quarter. Emphasis on calendar. You cannot use you know, May, June, and July and say, I had a 25% reduction. It's got to be a calendar quarter. And for most of you, that calendar quarter is going to be probably the second quarter when most of the dental profession shut down for anywhere from eight to 12 weeks in many cases, except for uh, emergency procedures. So, and, and here's the last thing, and I want to point this out and, and make everybody aware of this. You have until March 31st to apply for this. And actually the filing has to happen by then. So many banks, many of the large banks, have stopped accepting applications because they've got to package this all up and get it into the SBA. So many of the large banks have stopped accepting PPP applications. In addition to that, um, they changed the rules on sole proprietors. And I'm not going to go into that because that's a half-hour conversation. Be aware if you're a sole proprietor or you're an independent contractor, you were required to use your net income from your Schedule C for either 2019 or 2020. Well, a lot of people were complaining about that and saying, well, you know, didn't make a lot of money as a sole proprietor. So I didn't get much of a loan. They just changed the rules a couple weeks ago so that a sole proprietor can now use their gross income. Now, can you go back and fix that application? No, they didn't let you do that. So those of you who have filed, who have filed. Those of you who haven't filed, you should take a look at the um, new form that was put out, the new application for Schedule C filers. It's on the website at www.treasury.gov. Again, if you send me an email at artwiederman.com, at Eid Bailey, that's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com, uh, I can certainly point you in that direction. So if you're going to file, file sooner rather than later. You don't have to file with the bank that you filed with before. It'll be easier to do it. But if they're not accepting applications, you can find another bank. Here's the good news. The good news is that last week, I think it was on Thursday, Uh, I believe it was the House introduced a bill, and there is bipartisan support. Now, you're you're not having hearing trouble. Art Wiederman said that there's bipartisan support for something in Congress. I didn't think that was ever going to happen again, but there is. To extend the deadline for filing, especially because of the change in the sole proprietor rules, a lot of the banks either have not or just are not going to change their input forms and their computer systems to comply because they're so close to the deadline. 
But the the provision in Congress that we believe has a very good chance of passing, probably the week of March 15th or March 22nd, would be a provision that will allow an extension of time, two things. Number one, to file for uh, round two, extended from March 31 to May 31, and to give the banks uh, and the SBA an additional 30 days on top of that to process everything. So Congress realizes that there are more people that want this money. Uh, over half of the money has been uh, allocated. I think the last number I saw was that there's somewhere around $100 billion left, which is still a lot of money. So if you want this help and this, uh, you know, these loans, you can go out and get them. Okay. And so, so that is something you should be aware of. So that we're hopeful that they're going to provide an extension uh, for all of this. And, um, you know, very, very important. The other thing that this stimulus bill did is if you remember back in uh, March when they passed the CARES Act, they said, you're allowed to spend this money on um, not anything you want, but wages, utilities, rent, and interest. Well, you can still, I mean, they still, under round two, we, we're waiting for guidance. <laughs> Every Everybody who's ever lectured or written articles, uh, I mean, we're going to have tattooed on our foreheads. We are waiting for guidance. They haven't given us any guidance on the PPP round two yet. Um, but basically, um, you can use the same ones, mortgage, rent, utilities. But they've added several other categories that are going to be very, very important as we talk about the ERTC uh, and the interaction. Number one, uh, covered operation expenditures, payments for any business software or cloud computing service that facilitates business operations, product or service delivery, the processing payment or tracking of payroll expenses, uh, be like probably your payroll service, human resources, sales and billing functions or accounting and tracking of supplies, uh, inventory record and expenses. Covered supplier costs, expenditures made to a supplier of goods for the supply of goods that are essential to the operations of the borrower um, at the time in which the expenditure is made and made pursuant to a contract order or purchase order in effect prior to the beginning of the covered period for perishable goods. The contract order or purchase order may have been in effect before or at any time during the covered period. So, Basically, any dental supplies, it looks like. They haven't said anything different. And the big one is covered worker protection expenditures, operating or capital expenditures that facilitate the adaption of the business activities or an entity to comply with the requirements established or guidance issued by the Department of Health and Human Services, the Centers for Disease Control, um, Disease Control or Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, or any equivalent requirements established or guidance issued by a state local government. Bottom line is these are your PPP expenses, PPE expenses, your masks, your gowns, uh, your air conditioning, uh, and your ventilation units. So this is going to be really important, folks, when we get to talking about some of this other stuff uh, of how to get this ERTC. So these are all now allowable as part of your 40, uh, 40%. Okay, this is your 40% expenditures. Um, back to the, again, 
in order to get a second round PPP loan, you have to have had at least a 25% reduction in revenues in any calendar quarter. Um, and there's a great uh, treasury uh, interim guidance that was published. It's on the uh, treasury's website, www.treasury.gov. And it was published on January 19th. Uh, and it, it, it basically, the, the link, I'm not going to read it because you, you won't be able to write it down on this podcast. It basically, the link is how to, how, how to calculate revenue reduction and maximum loan amounts. It tells you how to figure your 25% reduction and how to figure out your actual loan amount. And again, we talked about the sole proprietors and the independent contractors. You might want to take a look at, at this is also an, a new application uh, borrow application form for Schedule C filers using gross income, um, and and all that information is there for you. Okay, now what you're really, really, really waiting for, what is going on with this employee retention tax credit? So on December 27th, they passed this law, and what they said was, now you can use the ERTC, even if you got a PPP loan, and you can use wages all the back, all the way back to January um, I'm sorry, March 12th. So we CPAs, uh, we at Ide Bailey, my good friend, Jim Donovan, Joe Stoddard, Adam Sweet. These are our lead PPP and ERTC folks that have been living and breathing this stuff. And we go back and forth all the time with information and sharing stuff, uh, as do all the members of the Academy of Dental CPAs. I mean, this has been just one year of this whole brand new world we had to learn about. And it was said, this is great. We can do this. And, but you know, how does this PPP forgiveness work with the ERTC? Because one of the things in the law is said is that you cannot use wages to claim the ERTC that you are using to claim the PPP forgiveness, because both of them are based on wages that you're paying. And if you want to read the, so, so on March 1st, Congress, I'm sorry, the Treasury finally gave us the guidance. And the guidance was noticed 2021-20, which if you are having trouble sleeping and insomnia is an issue for you, you can read 103 pages of guidance. I've read it three times. Um, the folks uh, who are dealing with all this and writing articles at the National Law Review and at Forbes magazine have probably read it more than that. Um, but you can just Google notice 2021-20. And this is the guidance that they gave us is how this works. So let's work around here. How, first of all, what dental practices qualify for the ERTC? So we're going to figure out how do we get the, 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 the end game is how do I get full PPP forgiveness of 100% of my loan and get this credit? Okay. So first of all, how do you qualify for the credit? And it's a big credit, as you'll see in a little bit. Two ways you qualify. Number one, if your practice realized a 50% or greater reduction in gross receipts in any calendar quarter of 2020, as compared to the same calendar quarter in 2019, you qualify. Now, when do you qualify? You qualify probably for the second quarter of 2020. 
but the way the law works is that you continue to qualify until the end of the quarter in which you have a greater than 80, a less than 80%, uh, a less than 20% reduction in revenues. So what does that mean? That means that all of you are going to qualify if you qualify for the second quarter that you had a 50% reduction, which is realistically the only quarter that it makes sense that most dental practices, unless there is a, a dental practice out there that just is not following what has been happening, um, it's going to be the second quarter. So if you qualify for the second quarter, you're going to qualify for the third quarter. And that's really important. If you had, and then in the third quarter, most dental practices came back because of all the pent-up demand and everything that was going on. Uh, So most of you probably did not have a greater than 20% reduction, if you will, um, going back. But many of you might have actually been up for the third quarter. So that means that at the very least, you're probably going to be um, able to use the wages you paid for your employees for the third, second quarter and the third quarter. So from April 1st to September 30th. So the months of April, May, June, July, August, and September, that's six months. And we're, as you're going to see, you need $10,000 per employee during those six months in order to get the maximum credit for 2020, which is $5,000. The other way that you can get this credit, so before I go on to the other way, which is what's called a government order shutdown. So basically, like I say, April through June of the second quarter, you'll qualify for the third quarter. And, um, you know, so, so the first thing you need to do is look at your gross receipts for the second quarter of 2020, Compare them to your gross receipts for the second quarter of 2019. And if they are more than 50% less, then you qualify for wages paid in both quarters. And they are calendar quarters we're talking about, folks. It's not, you can't just pick, well, you know, we should be able to pick March, April, and May. No, no, they don't let you do that uh, and stuff like that. So 50% reduction you get to the bonus round for the second and the third quarters. All right. The second way that you qualify, which is probably the least likely, although for many of you in many states, you may qualify. You have to have been under a government order to shut down. I can't tell you folks how many people have called me, emailed me. Well, Art, we had to shut down. The ADA said we had to shut down. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, said we have to shut down. Um, Well, you know what, folks? They came out with these rules as to what is a government order, okay? So I'm going to read a little bit to this. This is question number 10 from the Employee Retention Tax Credit guidance that we got on March 1st, notice 2021-20. So what orders from an appropriate government authority may be taken into account for purposes of eligibility of the employee retention tax credit. So it says orders, proclamations, or decrees from the federal government or any state local government may be taken into account by an employer as quote orders from an appropriate governmental authority only if they limit commerce, travel, or group meetings due to the coronavirus disease uh, 2019 coronavirus disease 2019 
and related to the suspension of an employer's operation of its trader business. Okay. Now, it doesn't have to be a federal government order. Okay. It can be a state. It can be a county. It can be a city. It can be, um, you know, whatever governmental uh, body that you are part of. If they gave an order that said you have to shut down, then that counts. What ADA said, what CDC says does not count. So here we go. This is important. Whether government orders, proclamations or decrees or government orders is determined without regarding the level of enforcement of the government order. Statements from a government official, including comments made during press conferences or interviews with the media, don't rise to the level of a government order. And this is the key thing. So follow this carefully, folks. Additionally, the declaration of a state of emergency by a governmental authority is not sufficient to rise to the level of a government order if it does not limit commerce, travel, or group meetings in any manner. So when I read that, you're going to say, well, Art, you know what? Our governor declared a state of emergency. Our president declared a state of emergency, and it limited my commerce. I wasn't able to practice. People didn't come into my dental office. Okay, but let me continue. Further, such a declaration that limits commerce, travel, or group meetings, but does so in a manner that does not relate to the suspension of an employer's operation of its trade or business does not rise to the level of a government order for purposes of the employer's determination of its eligibility for the employee retention credit. So what does that mean? That means that even though you had to shut your practice down for most of you, except for emergency uh, procedures, if it was a recommendation, if it was not an order, in other words, the order would need to say something to the effect of uh, that essential businesses uh, include dental practices for emergency procedures because you're allowed to qualify for this credit if you even had a partial shutdown that represents at least 10% of your business. Well, think about it this way, folks. If you were shut down by the city of X, or the county of Y, and that order from their health department said you must shut down except for emergency procedures, the non-emergency procedure part of your business is 90 plus percent of your business in a dental practice. So you would qualify. There are many states and counties that have done this. Um, I am, you know, it's just really difficult. So If you don't have a 50% or greater reduction, what you want to do is to take a look and see, were you under a government order, county, city, and you just just check. Uh, Check with your city, check with your county, check with your state. Many states did issue government shutdown orders to dental practices. I don't have a list, but uh, you should check into your state, okay? So either a 50% reduction or in, in, in revenues in any calendar quarter of 2020 after March 12th, so basically for you the second quarter, or a government shutdown as I described it. So how do you calculate the credit? The credit is by is calculated by taking 50% of qualifying wages. So remember I told you that you have the second quarter and you have the third quarter. So What you need to do is look at all the employees that you paid in those quarters, and it's 
you'd get 50% of their wages. And it's basically, you know, basically W-2 wages. There are lots of rules that I don't have time to get into here. Um, it includes, um, it includes the wages you pay for employees. It does not include any wages that you paid under the qualified sick leave or the family uh, leave rules that you're already receiving a credit for. That's not fair. You get to include uh, group health plan expenses paid through your dental practice for your employees. Um, we believe, based on what we've read, um, that owner dentists, um, if you you know if you qualify under the um, you know for this credit. That owner dentists and their spouses are included. Certain employee, I'm sorry, certain relatives are not included. Um, the more we're reading about this, this has been kind of the way we believe that this works. So the owner doctor and if the spouse is included, that you can include uh, their wages. We believe that. Um, now, for employers who have over 100 employees, you can only take into account employees' wages paid to employees when they were not providing services but getting paid. So, for example, if you are a multiple practice owner and you had 150 employees and you were continuing to pay them even though your dental offices were shut down because you got a PPP loan and you wanted to keep them off of unemployment, those wages qualify. But if you had, um, again, only wages paid to employees when they were not providing services, and, and, and again, this is for over 100 employees. For most of you who have less than 100 employees, that's not a big deal. Um, again, qualified health plan expenses can be part of this. these wages. Now, the wages are limited to $10,000. So what we need to do, folks, is to get to $10,000, talking quarter two and quarter three of 2020. We need wages of $10,000. That's a very important number. Keep that in mind as we continue this conversation. So that includes the wages that we pay to our employees as well as the group health expenses. And basically, question number 40, yes, I've read all these questions three or four times. Yes, uh, qualified health plan expenses are included However, amounts that the employee paid with after-tax contributions are not considered qualified health plan expenses because it's already included in their wages. The amount of qualified health expenses taken into account generally includes both the portion of the cost paid by the eligible employer and the portion of the cost paid by the employee with pre-tax salary reductions contributions because those amounts usually don't end up, uh, in many cases, on the W-2. Uh, and small eligible employers can actually treat health plan expenses. Uh, if you paid health plan expenses, but you didn't pay employees during that time, but you kept them on the health plan because you didn't want them to lose their insurance coverage, you can count those too. So real simple examples here. So let's, and I'll take this right from the, from the notice. So employer A is an eligible employer, paid $10,000 in wages in the second quarter to employee B. Very simple. Their credit is 50%, $5,000. Employer C is an eligible employer, pays $8,000 in wages to employee D in the second quarter and $8,000 in the third quarter. So that that doctor who's going to get it for the second and the third quarter is going to get a $4,000 tax credit in the second quarter for the $8,000 wages. 
and they're going to get a $1,000 credit in the third quarter because the maximum we can take into account is 10,000 wages. So 8,000 in the second quarter and 2,000 in the third. That's why it's important that we count the second and the third um, quarter, if you will. And so how do we how do we do this? So we get this credit. One and, and, and the way you're going to get the credit, by the way, folks, is you're going to end up in general filing an amended payroll tax return. Um, they came out with these rules, uh, some of these rules on like January 27th uh, before this notice. And they said, okay, on January 27th, you we want you to go ahead and include it in your fourth quarter payroll return. So they put this guidance on a January 27th or 28th, and that payroll return is due January 31st. So nobody did that. The bottom line is you're going to file an amended payroll tax return, probably for the second and the third quarter. So now, how do we get this credit and get our PPP forgiveness? And this is what's really important. So follow me here. I'm not going to read you what the notice deems as an eligible employer because your head will hurt and you'll never listen to my podcast again and you'll hate me and you'll put up a dartboard that's got my picture on it and I don't want that to happen. Here's the bottom line. Okay, the bottom line is we have to break this discussion into two pieces. Doctors that have already filed for SBA forgiveness for round one and doctors who have hopefully not yet filed. And this is why we've been telling doctors for months, there's no rush to file. We wait for the guides. We wait. And we've had doctors who have filed. They want to get done. They don't want to deal with it. So basically, remember, the most important point here I'm going to tell you is that your wages that you pay uh, in the second and the third quarter and in your covered period, you cannot use the same wages for PPP as you use for ERTC, okay? You cannot do that. You have to buy, so what we have to do is we have to bifurcate the wages and we have to use enough wages to get full forgiveness and leave enough, actually what we want to do first is to use enough wages to get the tax credit and then have enough wages left to, to use for 60% of our wages to get PPP forgiveness. So that's the whole game plan here. So for dentists who have already filed for PPP forgiveness, they give seven examples of this interaction. The bottom line, folks, is if you've already filed for forgiveness and you only wrote down wages and you didn't either limit the amount of your payroll cost to 60% of your uh, total PPP loan, and didn't include non-payroll costs, you just put your wages amount, the bank said, oh, just put the wages amount, it's easier. Um, you will be probably severely limited and there's no do-over for the employee retention tax credit. You can't file an amended application for forgiveness. Once you file, you've set the stage for how you can calculate the wages. So for example, here's example number two of this, uh, of this deal. Of this notice 2021-20. Uh, let's say you had a PPP loan of $200,000. Your total qualified wages paid during the second and third quarters, which would normally qualify for the ERTC, was $250,000. So your PPP loan, two hundred. dollars Your ERTC, wa- your wages paid in the second and third quarters, two fifty. dollars 
on the forgiveness application, all you put down was 200,000 as payroll costs. No big deal. Got full SBA forgiveness. You got 100% forgiveness. So what that says under these, these rules that they came out with on March 1st is that this particular dentist or employer, doesn't matter, is deemed to have made an election not to take into account $200,000 of wages for purposes of the employee retention credit. So you only needed, um, so in this example, let me, I'll, I'll get to it in the next example. So you only needed basically 60% of your 200,000, you need 120, but you put 200 down and you had 250 in wages, you can only use $50,000 in wages to uh, to apply for the employee retention tax credit. Let's look at example number three, same thing. Borrower got a $200,000 PPP loan. Borrower paid 200,000 in eligible payroll costs during the second and third quarter of 2020. They qualified, but they also paid 70,000 of non-payroll costs, rent, utilities, PPE, et cetera. On the borrower's application, they did the same thing. They put down 200,000 and they didn't put down any of the 70,000 and they got full forgiveness of their loan. Well, what happened is they could have put down 130 of payroll costs and 70 of eligible expenses. Because remember, you need 60%, but they didn't do that. Employee C, employer C, cannot use that $70,000, okay, for, uh, I'll just read it. Employer C cannot reduce the deemed election by the amount of the other expenses. So by excluding those non-payroll costs on the forgiveness form that qualify for the forgiveness, the $70,000, that borrower lost the ability to use that $70,000 to reduce the amount of wages they put on the application, which would have basically allowed you to use that 70000 towards the ERTC. And example four verifies if the borrower would have put down the 70000 of non-payroll costs on their PPP application form that qualified, they would have been allowed to use that. So the bottom line is, folks, it's important. And here's the basic end game here. This is, this is the end game. Number one, we only need 60% of the PPP loan amount to get us forgiveness. And what this notice says is that we can basically use the wages that we paid, because remember, you got two periods here. You've got the six, uh, the six months of the second and the third quarter, which are going to be the ERTC period, and the 24 weeks which is going to have that two months for the most part involved, but it's going to have some other periods that are not included in the ERTC period. So what we want to do is we want to figure out all of this. What were our wages during the PPP forgiveness uh, during the covered period? What were our wages during the six months of the second and third quarter? All we need is to take 60% of the PPP loan amount uh, and put it to wages and remember, we can also use retirement plan and health insurance and all that kind of stuff. And every other dollar other than 60%, we can use for the ERTC. And all I need is $10,000 per employee. So your covered period is the 24 weeks, right? Slightly different than the six months. 
So in my other example, May 7th till, uh, what was it, uh, sometime in October is my covered period. But uh, I think it was October 22nd. Uh, but for the ERTC, it's April 1 to September 30th. So a little bit of a different period. So what we want to do is think about it this way. Your, um, your six months for the ERTC start April 1. There was no PPP loan program on April 1. So any wages paid between April 1 and the date you got your PPP loan, we use exclusively, I repeat, exclusively for the ERTC because they're not forgivable, okay? Any wages that we pay after September 30th that are in your covered period, okay? In your covered period. So let's say that my my covered period ends October the 30th. Well, for the whole month of October, those wages are going to use be used exclusively for PPP because they're not in the period of the ERTC. And again, we believe there's authority that allows more than a 50% owner and his or her spouse who are paid wages from an, uh, an S corporation to qualify for the ERTC. So we can use those wages. That's another potential of you know, maybe $10,000 of credit that we get. And remember, folks, this is a tax credit. This is not a deduction. So if we're limiting payroll costs to 60%, so the whole game is you, you, now we're talking to the people that have not filed for forgiveness. We go to file for forgiveness within the 10-month period after the end of your covered period. The end game is we want to take all the wages that we paid and we want to uh, we want to break them out. We want to take 60% of those wages and we want to put them on the application form. We want to use, that means that we need to use 40% of the PPP loan amount for the other expenses, rent, utilities, interest, supplies, uh, PPE. This is what we want to do. So if we can do that, then we can get full, you know, we can get $10,000 of wages for every employee. And all we need is those other wages that are not part of the 10,000. And we want those wages to go towards the PPP. It's hard to understand on a podcast. Uh, but again, you know, we at iBailey, the Academy of Dental CPAs, we understand how this works. Um, so if, if you would like our help, by the way, um, in doing this, and I'll repeat this at the end of the show, if you would like our help in, in getting this, we have a whole group that is doing this. We've got a, a very, very intricate spreadsheet uh, that is doing this, and we are going to be saving our clients and non-clients, whoever engages us, uh, tens of thousands of dollars in this tax credit. So if you are interested in having us help you with this, uh, email me at awiederman at idbailey.com. If you are with a member ADCPA firm, get in contact with your ADCPA firm and they'll help you with it. But we we are geared up to do this big time. And so just want to let, let you know that. And back to the conversation is if you don't have at least 40% of the PPP loan amount paid in eligible non-payroll costs, what you may end up having to do is to take a little more than 60% of your wages so that you get full forgiveness. So 
This is this is very important. And so what you want to do is you want to work with somebody who understands this. Now, I do want to point this out to you. So I happen to be talking to, I mentioned uh, the sad passing of my good friend, Larry Rose. And I was talking to his son, Mark, earlier today. And he and I were talking about this. And here's the deal, folks. Number one, there are companies out there that are charging 30 to 35% of the tax savings. So if you get a $100,000 loan, uh, I mean, uh, ERTC credit, you're going to get charged 30 to $35,000. Reputable CPA firms like I'd Bailey and the Academy of Dental CPA groups, we are not charging anywhere near that amount. So be very careful. The other thing that I was talking to Mark about that you really need to be careful about is that payroll services are saying, oh, we'll do this for you. And we'll do it for a very low cost or for free or whatever they're going to tell you. So Mark was telling me a story about what they were doing is that he said he had a client that the payroll service said, well, we'll, we'll just do this. And, and they just took um, some calculation of the wages that allowed for a $70,000 uh, credit. It was basically any of the wages that were not used for PPP. And they didn't do this analysis that I've been talking to you about for the last 45 minutes. Okay. So when the Mark was telling me that, that, you know, the client called him and said, is this right? And they did the calculations and they got $350,000 employee retention tax credit and the payroll service had gotten 70,000. So five times do not let the payroll services do your amended. Re- they need to do your amended returns. And if they charge you, that's fine. But do not let them do these calculations because they are not set up to understand the intricacy of all of these rules. Really important that you know that. And you don't have to pay. So if they solicit you, if these companies and they're coming after you, there's big, big fee money involved in this. Okay. If someone's going to charge you, 25 or 30 percent of the cost don't do it we as cpas are not allowed to charge contingent fees uh there is this little publication called circular 230 which is basically our cpa rules of the road as initiated by the internal revenue service so we do not cannot and will not charge you a percentage uh, that's like there are unscrupulous tax preparers out there that charge a percentage of the refund that they get you. Uh, we would lose our licenses. We would be in a bad place if we ever did that. And and uh, again, um, you know, firms like I'd Bailey, firms like the firms in the ADCPA that are ethical, absolutely, you know, buy the book firms and do it by the rules. Uh, they don't do that. So we charge a fee, you know, and as do the ADCPA firms and, uh, but it is not a contingent fee. And it, it, in fact, I had a conversation with a doctor the other day who I said to the doctor, you know, he's a new client. He, he says, well, yeah, I, I had a 50% reduction. I said, well, how many employees do you have? Well, well, there's three of us, including me. So there's three. I says, okay, so your credit could be $15,000. And I said, you know what? I'll be really honest with you. For the amount of money that we're going to get you back, and the amount of time that you got to spend providing us information and the amount of time that we have to do to set it up and work the spreadsheets and go through all the rules, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Is it worth it for 25 or 30 or $35,000? Yeah, I think so. 
But many of you, if you have 10 employees, that's $50,000. If you have 20 employees, it's 100000 For multiple practice owners who have less than 100 employees, say you have 80 employees. 80 times 5 is $400,000. So this is definitely worth it. So again, if, if we can help you uh, here at I'd Bailey, send me an email and we'll put you on the list and we have an intake form. Uh, and that's A. Wiederman. A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at idbelly.com. So the end game of all of this is to use as little in payroll costs as we can to obtain full PPP forgiveness and to use the remaining wages and group health insurance costs to maximize the ERTC to get us to $10,000. So as soon as we get to $10,000, in uh, wages for each employee in the second and third quarters, for the most part, then the rest of the wages we can use for PPP or vice versa. As soon as we get to 60%, we can use the other wages for ERTC. And again, uh, this is this is really important that you, you know, when, again, we have intricate spreadsheets um, that, that do this calculation and again, don't let a payroll service do it for you. Don't go out and pay a third of the tax savings. I don't care what kind of song and dance. There are CPAs that are ethical CPAs, again, like the ADCPA and like I'd Bailey that will help you with this. Um, and also, when you do this, don't just put, even if you've got the whole 10000 per employee and it's covered, don't ju- and you have extra wages that you paid, during the covered period that are not used for ERTC, don't just stick to 60%. What you need to do is you need to have a cushion. So if you have an extra you know, $10,000 in wages, you've got your ERTC covered, and Art said just go 60%. No, no. If you've got extra wages that you're not using for ERTC, use them on your PPP application because then you've got a cushion in case you made a mistake or in case um, the, the banker says, well, I don't think this is right. Well, you've got extra. If you have right on the dot 60%, then that 60%, you're, you have no wiggle room in case there's a mistake here. So uh, I, again, I, I did this webinar and I have a basic example of this, but it, it's just really hard to, to read over the phone, at the, uh, over, over a podcast. Uh, the bottom line, again, is, folks, any wages that you got between April 1 and the date you get your PPP loan should be used exclusively for ERTC. Any wages you paid after September 30th, uh, so anytime in October that are part of your covered period for PPP, should only be used for PPP. You want to get to 60% of your total uh, PPP loan, so you use that amount of wages, and the rest should go for ERTC. And again, if you filed for forgiveness, you've kind of made your own bed, and there's not a lot that I can do to help. Now, this does get better, although I do not think that this is going to apply for dentists uh, in 2021. So, everything we've been talking about in this notice that we've been talking about have been solely for 2020. Congress, uh, I mean, the Treasury said in this notice that we will come out soon with the rules for 2021. Uh, soon is defined as when Art Wiederman wins the Masters and the Players Championship. Uh, those are golf tournaments, folks. If you're not a golfer, 
Uh, that will never happen. So we don't know when these rules will come out. We think they'll come out, just joking. Uh, in the next 30, 60 days, we hope. I mean, everybody's really busy. Um, there is also serious talk, by the way, of like they did last year, putting off the tax deadline. We'll see if that happens. Um, do check on Ide Bailey's website. We have the most up-to-date information on new tax laws and all these things, which we're not talking about tonight. So do, do check on that. Um, so in order to qualify, they have now, they expanded in this law, this December 27th law, uh, they expanded the ERTC not only for 2020, because it was only for 2020 under the CARES Act. For 2021, it was for the first and second quarter of 2021. And for the second, first and second quarter of 2021, here's how this worked. Instead of having a 50% reduction in gross receipts, you only need a 20% reduction in gross receipts. Okay, that's a big deal. And the maximum credit in 2021, remember I told you in 2020, it's 5,000 per employee for the whole year or the period of March 12th through December 31. Well, for 2021, the maximum credit per employee per quarter is 70% of 10,000, not 50, 70%. So 7,000 per quarter. So for example, if you had a 50% reduction in the, the second quarter of 2020 and you had 10 employees, you could get a $50,000 credit. Okay. If you had a 20% reduction in the first and second quarter, so this is the first quarter of 2021 compared to the first quarter of 2019 or the immediately preceding quarter, fourth quarter of 2020 versus fourth quarter of 2019, or for the second quarter, it would be you'd use the first quarter. It's it kind of confusing, but generally, uh, you would compare the first quarter of 2021 to the first quarter of 2019, or you can use the immediately preceding quarter. So instead of 50,000 for the year, you're talking 70,000 for the quarter. So that would be the first quarter, the second quarter. And under the bill that President Biden just signed last week, the $1.9 trillion relief package, just signed it last week. Um, I think it was on Thursday he signed it, and this is Sunday. They expanded this to the third quarter and the fourth quarter, and they opened it up to some startup businesses. Not going to get into that. I don't think a lot of dentists are going to qualify because the dental profession is doing pretty darn well. But if you do, take a look at this. This is huge, 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 huge. Okay? So, um, that that is kind of how that works for 2020 and 2021. And one more thing for large groups. So again, anybody who's a DSO, they increased. the. Remember I told you that for employers and groups that have more than 100 employees, you are only allowed to take the credit based on the amount of wages you paid to people that were actually not working, that were laid off. Uh, or that were furloughed, if you were, but you were still paying them wages. Well, that number for 2021 increases from 100 employees to 500. So if you have 300 employees 
and your business had a 20% reduction. So you have 300 employees in the second, let's say your business had a 20% reduction in the second quarter and a 20, I'm sorry, in the first quarter of 2021 and a 20% reduction in the second quarter. So I have 300 employees times $7,000. That's 200 and uh, let's see, 300 times seven is $210,000 per quarter. So if your dental practice is really suffering for whatever reason, and there's a 20% reduction, you could have, if you have 300 employees, that, that could be huge for you. That could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, very important thing that you need to understand, and this is a big deal, and another reason why you want to file extensions or consider. You can't double dip. So. If you take a credit for the employee retention tax credit, back to my example, we have 10 employees and in the second and third quarter, they were all paid $10,000 in wages. So you get a $50,000 credit. What they have said is that for 2021, 2020, you get a $50,000 credit. It's not going to be on your personal or corporate tax return. It's going to be an amended return. And what they're going to do is they're going to reduce your federal employer payroll taxes by uh, whatever you paid in. And the difference, so let's say that you got a $50,000 credit in the second quarter and you paid $10,000 in employer, FICA, and Medicare. So you get that $10,000 back in the other forty. dollars they give you a check. But for that $50,000, you do not get a deduction. And Congress, we were hoping they would say, you know, since you claimed the credit in 2021, just add it to your 2021 income, those 50,000 wages that we're getting a credit, we can't take a deduction for. Well, no, they didn't. So they said that you're going to have to file, um, include an addition to your income for those 50,000 of wages that you're taking the credit on. That's why we want you to extend because most CPAs are not going to do this work until after April 15th, which is after when you would have filed your returns if you filed on time. Very, very important to know that, that if you filed your returns already and you file your personal return on time, you're going to have to file an amended return if you get this credit in order to not take that as a deduction. So the $50,000, and remember, this is only a federal issue. It's not a state issue. It's a federal credit. So if you're in a 24% tax bracket and you have $50,000, okay, so what's 50,000 times 24% is $12,000. So your net benefit of the credit is going to be about $38,000. That's still a pretty darn good deal. So anyway, uh, you have to keep lots of records. You have to keep government orders if you have those records the employer relied on to determine whether there, there was a nominal portion of your operations that were suspended, um, records to show that you had the decline in gross receipts, uh, what were paid in wages. And again, CPA firms like Ide Bailey and the ADCPA members, they are going to be keeping copious records, doing reports, and have it in their files so that if you ever get this looked at, there's no problem. And the good news is you have generally three years from the due date of your payroll tax return, including extensions, which, I mean, just say three years from the due date of your return, to file 
for um, an amended return on the ERTC. It's done on a payroll return. It's not done on an income tax return. So we got plenty of time to do this, but we don't have plenty of time to file for forgiveness. So that's why we are going to be doing this work very, very quickly uh, between now and August, and we're starting to accumulate. So again, folks, if you have a desire, if you're listening to this podcast and your CPA does not know what ERTC means or what PPP means, and you had a 50% reduction in your revenues in the second quarter of 2020, uh, we would be more than happy to help you and just do the math. You know, multiply the number of employees that you had that you paid 10 grand to uh, in the second and third quarters of 2020 times $5,000. And that's that's the amount of money you got at stake that you can get and, and get PPP forgiveness if you haven't filed. We'd be happy to just send me an email if you want us to help you with this at A. Wiederman. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at idebailey.com. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. We'll be more than happy to help you with that. I'm exhausted again. Every time I do one of these podcasts, folks, that I that I go through all these rules and there's just so much, there's so much I couldn't tell you because it's just not enough time. It would be a 12-hour podcast. But this is a golden opportunity to score a bunch of government money and it is legal and the government wants you to go after this money and you should. So again, give me an email, send me an email at awiederman at idbailey.com. Be happy to help you with that. Um, If you are a a client of one of our ADCPA member firms, call your CPA over there. They know about this. We live and breathe it every single day. And we would be more than happy to help you. Um, we are having our business of dentistry series on uh, uh, this coming Wednesday night, uh, March 17th, is going to be my friend Kathleen Johnson, who is going to be on the webinar. And she's going to be talking about due diligence in buying a dental practice. Please go to www.idebailey.com. Um, forward slash dental series and all the information is there and you can register. Well, folks, that is it. Again, be sure to um, you know go to our partner, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Great clinical content and everything. Uh, fantastic magazine. You should go on their website and register for their publications. And if you're not working with a dental CPA, we're at I'd Bailey. We're available to help you. ADCPA is there. We're all here to help you. Um, www.adcpa.com. And again, my email is awiederman at idebailey.com. And it will be in the show notes. Well, folks, uh, God bless every single one of you. Our podcast is exploding. Thank you so much for the all the kind emails and, and everything that I get and from all over the country. I've been trying to answer all your questions. And uh, I'm very fortunate to be working with dentists and to have dedicated my career to the dental profession. Very proud of the work we do. Very proud of uh, the dental profession and how you guys have come through this one year. It's one year, one year that we've been through this. It is so hard to believe. And let us just hope and pray that this is the first and last time that we have to deal with a pandemic in our lifetimes. I'm very hopeful of that. And uh, with that, I will bid you adieu for the evening here in Southern California. 
My name is Art Wiederman. The show is The Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. And we will see you next time. Thank you again for the honor and privilege of your time. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Art of Dental Finance and Management Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management Podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.